what's going on coaches uh, as most of you know been a pretty crazy week for me over here at broken arrow our head coach coach alexander got fired so um we're kind of trying to figure out what that means for all of us and, and probably won't know that till we get this new head coach coming in as, as most of you guys know how that works so i'm uh, checking into the teaching reciprocity over in arkansas uh, I've already got my uh, teaching certificates transferring, you know, down to Texas, uh, and also we'll have my eyes up here in in Oklahoma for um, O line and, and OC jobs uh, in those three areas, uh, so so I can be prepared, be ready, uh, depending on kind of you know what happens here in the next few months over here at Broken Arrow. Uh, I bring that up just to say thank you guys. I've got an outpouring of of coaches DMing me and texting me from high school to college. Um, I appreciate you guys. Um, obviously coach Bartell re- uh, reached out to me that Monday when it happened. Um, and, and, and he said it and he said it right. And I really appreciate it. He said, it's easy to reach out to you guys and, and say, congrats two years ago when you won state. Uh, but it kind of means more now when, when something like this adversity hits, uh, also talked to coach Snyder over at Bigsby, who's been on you know, all the videos and podcasts. Uh, and he said, you know, basically there's two types of coaches, those who have been fired and those who will be fired. So um, I took a little solace in that as well. So I appreciate you guys reaching out. Uh, best part, best thing for me to do was to get back and get back into football. So me and Walls this weekend spent about four hours helping, uh, you know, kind of consulting with uh, a team up north, high school team up north. And we had a blast and we'll, we'll reach back out to them and continue to help them this month uh, with our little consulting thing that we do with the podcast that we've done uh, for several teams, teams in Colorado, uh, teams, uh, some other teams up north. So um, we got back into it, uh, but only thing, only way I know how to do anything, just get back into some football. So uh, thank you guys again for reaching out. We will be again doing consulting. Uh, we're going to be releasing more podcasts. We've got our videos that will be dropping. Uh, we're going to really dig into. Uh, so anything that you guys need from us, just head on over to runthepower.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formation, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. Don't wait, go do it today. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Andy Padrone. Coach Padrone is the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at DeSoto High School in DeSoto, Texas. Listen, we talk with Coach Padrone about the journey through college football and back to the state of Texas to coach at Powerhouse DeSoto High School. We also talk about the explosive offenses that he has been around. You can follow Coach Padrone on Twitter at Coach Padrone. Hope you guys enjoy. Started out at uh, Mary Hardin Baylor University with uh, Pete Fredenberg, and uh, we, uh, my sophomore year was the first year that we went to the national championship game, and uh, we actually beat uh, Mount Union 
who at the time hadn't lost a home game and I don't know, 130 something home games. And we went in there and beat them and went to the national championship. So uh, it was a great experience, learned a lot from coach Fred and obviously he's still there and uh, they've obviously been back numerous times since and won it uh, numerous times. So, uh, you know, that, that made an impression on me uh, after that got out, started coaching uh, two years at uh, a high school in Texas. Uh, my dad was a Texas high school football coach. And um, so I got out and was teaching math and coaching football. And uh, then after that, he got a, uh, a division three uh, job. And so I went with him and uh, started coaching in college. And I was there for uh, maybe five five seasons, I believe, or six seasons. Um, and it was great. It was a great learning experience. And, you know, you're young and learning to recruit and do, uh, do that stuff on top of, obviously, you get to do football all day long. Um, and from there went, uh, got lucky and uh, went up to Bowling Green State University up in Ohio and uh, was, uh, had a great time up there, a different part of the the country that my wife and I, we, we were Texas. Uh, we were born and raised in Texas. And uh, to get to go up there and uh, experience, you know, different seasons, <laughs> you don't really have that in South Texas. So, uh, you know, we, it was kind of a new thing for us. And, uh, you know, the football side of it, obviously, you know, you're at Division One level and going and playing at uh, the Horseshoe, uh, you know, at Ohio State, going to Michigan State, Oregon, playing playing a lot of those teams. and getting to experience that and, um, and just, you know, seeing that football's football and, you know, the, the same schemes that you run uh, here in Texas high school football, the same schemes you're running uh, at the division one FBS level and the same schemes you run at division three level, you know? And so uh, the only difference is the guys are a little bit bigger and a little bit faster. Um, and the quarterbacks typically can, uh, sling it around a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit more velocity. So it enables you to do uh, some more things because you can kind of take advantage of uh, the total width of the field and, uh, and I guess the length of the field uh, for that matter. But, um, you know, that it was a, and it was a great learning experience because uh, when I was at uh, TLU with my, my dad at the college level and division three school, we, we were kind of a, uh, we were up tempo. Uh, a lot of the run game RPO stuff was kind of the the Bryles stuff, um, and then the passing game was uh, the air raid stuff. That uh, I was fortunate enough to kind of go and meet with uh, Hal Mummy and uh, Mason Miller. He's now the offensive line coach. He, he went from uh, he was at a Division three school, McMurray, went to Nevada, and then uh, with Matt Mummy, and then after that. Leach got him at Washington State, and he's been with Leach for a while now, now at uh, Mississippi State. So, uh, you know, getting to meet with them and kind of talk through how they practice stuff and, and the way they go about their things. And then um, going to Bowling Green, I was with a lot of those Texas Tech guys and, uh, you know, the kind of what Cliff Kingsbury did at Texas Tech. All those guys were there with, with him at Texas Tech. And so uh, you come in and, and get to learn, you know, some – differences I guess and you know everyone has a little bit different spin on air raid obviously you know you can see what Lincoln Riley's done where he you know runs the ball a little bit more but his concepts are still you know heavily influenced I guess you could say you know with the air raid and and I think that's where ultimately I I kind of am I you know I think you've got to be able to run it uh you know Leach will say will say otherwise but you'll uh <laughs> I think I think you have to and and you know you're going to get into a situation where you're playing a, a team that wants to play four in the box and you know then drop everybody out drop eight and next thing you know you got three guys rushing nobody's in the box and you could have handed the ball off and got five six yards um, so I think you know for for me uh, you know it's it's more of how can we efficiently get the most yards possible and uh, whether that's run the ball or throw the ball, whatever the defense wants to give us, that's what we want to take advantage of and, you know, not get hung up on, you know, forcing one or, or the other, um, you know, and so I think that's kind of where, and that's where I think uh, 
Coach Riley, you know, Lincoln Riley's done well at OU is, you know, he, he has done that. And I think that's um, – I'm a, I'm a math guy, like I said before. And so numbers, you know, I, I'm – it's a numbers game. It, it really – you know, that's where the RPOs come from is, you know, they're going to try to add a number after the snap. Okay, well, we're going to throw the ball after the snap. You know, and that's kind of where that that developed. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where the offense is kind of for us has, and for myself has kind of come from, I guess. And, uh, you know, the, the air raid passing game is still great. And you see a lot of those concepts, which they got from, uh, you know, a lot of the West Coast guys and, and have developed them and, and changed them and here and there. And, and you see them in the NFL all over the place. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just about spacing. And I think uh, a lot of them have great merit and, and we run a lot of them. And then, uh, but we also run the ball. Coach, you talk about, you know, different RPOs, you know, how many of those do you, do you kind of carry? And then I'm always interested in asking coaches, you know, how you kind of, you know, categorize them, you know, do you have, you know, set ones for the way defenses want to play it? You know, do you, are you picking on a certain guy? I mean, I'm always interested to hear, you know, how people kind of break it down because honestly, you know, I think as it gets more and more out there, people kind of have their own flavors for the RPO game. Right. Well, so uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of the quick game uh, is really, you could tag that and, and we do, we tag it on, you know, we can tag it on any run, um, you know, as a, we kind of run our, you know, what most people call like a little now screens or quick screens to the receivers or bubbles, you know, arcs, flares, whatever you want to call it to the slots. Um, you know, we kind of, that's kind of our normal. Um, so as we're playing fast and we're going, that's what our receivers are going to do if I don't tag anything with it. Um, and then off of that, if we want to, okay, let's, let's throw something, you know, let's say maybe they're clouding, uh, bringing the corner down, playing maybe some kind of two look or just clouding and, and working over the top, whatever the coverage is with a clouded corner, you know, if he's up there pressed, it's not great to, you know, bubble a guy out or throw a little quick screen out to the edge uh, because of the way that they're constructed. With that look, I like doing more hitch tags uh, to where you're putting that receiver in that spot where that linebacker is supposed to be. And then he adds into the box after the snap. Now we throw it to that slot. Uh, you know, and so I think it's, you know, and then we have another tag where we kind of bring the outside receiver, bring him on, you know, a three-step square, you know, slant. That's how we run our slants with our outside receivers. And so he's going to push three and then break in. Uh, and you're basically taking that outside receiver into that same window where that linebacker on the inside is. Um, and so that's kind of one, one thing that we do, you know, if we, like you said, you know, how do you build them in? Well, that's one thing. If I see a clouded corner, I'm not in love with throwing a, a bubble or, or a little quick screen outside. I want to throw it to a, that slot area where they're soft. Um, and so that's one that we do. Uh, if they're, if they're a man team, you know, go pick your best man stuff, whether it's a, you know, a bubble with a, a five-step you know, slant or glance type route or bring them on a three-step slant, uh, you know, and you run them on a – run the slot on a speed out, keep the outside guy on a go, you know, whatever you know, want to build in. Uh, then if you have the tight end in the backfield as a sniffer or attached and maybe you have a single receiver over there, well, now you got all kinds of different options with a single receiver and we'll play with that, uh, whether it's run a stop route, whether it's run a slant, uh, whether we run a go, whether we run a glance, you know, reading the safety. So um, all of our runs, the receivers know based on the run, and we only have a couple that are ruled, I guess, as outside run. So the receivers to that call side, they would know. I think we have maybe, shoot, other than like a power read and that type of stuff, we probably have about two or three that, the front side guys of that play block. And then obviously the backside guys, we don't tag anything. They have uh, their screen rules. And so, uh, you know, they, they know by play, hey, I'm blocking on this. And if it's an inside run, 
both sides are running their screen rules and, and uh, or if we have it tagged, they're running the tag. Uh, and so they're not blocking. And, uh, but if it's an outside run coming to them, then that side's blocking. And then the backside is running either the tag or whatever the, the bubble or whatever you want to put with it. So, uh, and that's for all of our run plays. Now we can, and, and so it started out, let me back up because, you know, I say that and people go, oh, well, it's third and one. I don't want a quarterback throwing a, you know, a bubble out there, you know, that type of thing. And I agree. That is coaching your quarterback to understand what the situation is, first off. Second off, if you don't feel comfortable with your quarterback understanding the situation, for us, it's as easy as just saying, making an off call. As soon as we make an off call, the receivers are blocking. There's no read. There's no anything, and he's handing it off. Um, I guess when we first started out doing this along, I mean, maybe 10 years ago, where we did it the opposite way. We were always calling the screens, you know, or always calling whatever the tag was. And then if we didn't call anything, the receivers blocked. Well, it seemed like the majority of the time I was always calling a screen or a tag or whatever. So then I, I basically flipped it and said, okay, well, we're always going to run screens or whatever the tag, whatever it is. If I call an off call, now I've just taken it off. Now you're handing it off. There's no decision. We're running the football. So that was kind of one of the switch ups about 10 years ago that uh, we made. And uh, I like it. I think it gives uh, more freedom. It's a way to get the ball in the receiver's hands. Um, and take advantage of, like I said, the, the numbers game. It's, it's they want to add one, well, then we need to throw it. Um, otherwise, if we are dead set that we want to run it and coach head coach says run the ball, well, then we need to bring bodies into the box to make sure that uh, the, uh, the extra guy can't be a factor. So, I think that's a, a huge, uh, you know, point. I don't want to say point. I think it's a huge deal to be able to – take you know an rpo tag off the table uh, i think I've, I've heard a lot of smart guys that i've that i've talked to say that um they love rpos they love being able to run those but there has to be some way in your offense to like you said it's third and one and we don't want it or for whatever reason we want this ball handed off it's the end of the you know the end of the game and you'd like for your quarterback mm -hmm. to be smart but also you, you know you got an aggressive quarterback which you like to have having it in a way to call something out there, make sure that he's handing that ball off. Um, I think that's a, a um, huge benefit. Uh, right. I, I think it's kind of funny, you know, and you talk about, you know, 10 years RPO, you know, 10 years ago, you guys RPO and, and um, it, it seems like it's these last four or five years, it's been huge, but I got to play for Cliff in Houston uh, and, and it was, I don't know that they called it an RPO, but anytime the quarterback <laughs> wanted to throw it out there, uh, he could throw in a lot of it, I think, was on him. I mean, some of the different right. signals and stuff that he gave. But uh, it was really nice being an offensive lineman because, uh, you know, we'd be like, well, what if this guy blitzes and they bring six? How do we pick that up? And the offensive line coach said, don't worry about it. If they have six, we're throwing the ball. Um, and so <laughs> that was kind of a cool deal. But, but it, you know, it took a, a pretty smart quarterback for us. Have you gotten into that at all, having a, a certain quarterbacks that you've had, being able to put some on them, uh, different – you know, alerts or tags or different things that you'll allow them to do um, with certain quarterbacks that you've had? Yeah, and again, that's – it's what we do every single day. We – and we rep it every – during the season, during – when we get in, you know, a game week, we, we still at least five minutes, depending on how much the head coach wants to cut the practice down. If, if we have – if I have it the way that, you know, I would want it, we would get ten minutes of it. Um, where we're running what I call an R RPO drill. And we're sitting there and we're repping, we're meshing with the running backs. So they're over there with us. We're meshing with the running backs. The extra quarterbacks or, you know, one of our student assistants or one of our other coaches, middle school coach or whatever, we'll get, we'll get guys over there um, in college. It was our GAs or whatever. And, and uh, we'll, we'll rep the looks and give the quarterback, you know, reading the second level guy or handing it off, reading the third level guy, or handing it off, um, you know, and then our receivers, they're always, regardless if he throws it or not, they're executing whatever, whatever we're doing, whether it's three by one, you know, quick screen into the boundary, and we're, we're blocking it up, and the outside receivers catching and trying to get up the field, 
and so those receivers, whether the quarterback throws it or not, the receiver coaches are working with those guys on their landmarks, on their steps, on breaking down properly, getting to the right angle, working their way up, uh, basically like a lineman would. I mean, get down athletic stand and, and you're closing the ground on them with a wide base. You know, we don't want to be running and be on one foot and be out of control. And so our receivers are repping, they're blocking, they're repping the catching, the whatever the tag, you know, routes are. Our running backs are working the mesh. Our quarterbacks are looking at uh, the read keys and they're meshing it with the running backs. And he either, he's either pulling it or he's giving it. Um, and so that's been a great uh, drill for us to be able to kind of rep what we need to be able to see to where our quarterbacks, regardless of, you know, their IQ, they're able to go out and execute um, what we do. Now, one of our best quarterbacks uh, that I've been able to be around and, and coach was, is now at, uh, he transferred to West Virginia and uh, he was, he's Seth Daigie's brother. His name's Jarrett Daigie. And so he's, he uh, ended up finishing out the year as the starter for West Virginia, and he, we had him up at Bowling Green. Um, you know, and, and I think growing up with his brother at Texas Tech playing quarterback for two years, um, you know, his dad, the Seth and Jarrett's dad, is a Texas high school football coach. And um, I think Jarrett kind of just being around it so much and understanding the game, he had a phenomenal football IQ. And he made it, you know, you're not trying to teach a concept now. You're basically saying, taking it to the next level with them. Like, hey, you see this, you see them spin or rotate, you know, pre-snap. You don't like that. Okay, hey, get us in. You think it's more of a man, get us into a man concept. And so he'll hand signal, whatever he's going to do, uh, flash him a signal to, to change it. Um, because he's that far advanced. Um, you know, and it's the same thing. And like you were talking about with Cliff uh, when they were at Houston. You know, don't worry about this guy. They'll, they'll get him in, you know, we'll be throwing it. We'll get it. We'll get us into the right play. Well, with Jarrett at quarterback, that's what he was able to do. You know, it was, hey, if you get this ugly look, get out of this run, call protection, protect yourself, and go execute it, you know, the man throws. Get us into man concept and, and go throw the ball, you know. And so I think uh, that's where, you know, a high IQ quarterback helps you is, you know, you get to kind of take it to the next level, you know, with them as far as them understanding the whole, you know, what all the 10 guys on the field besides him are doing. Um, and I think that's the benefit for having that high IQ guy. Other than that, shoot, we, we go rep it so much that uh, they get used to seeing the looks and understanding what they're doing. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that you have to be a 1500 SAT type guy to be able to go execute the, uh, the reads that we're doing. Well, that's, you know, one of the things that we've talked about a bunch, it seems like, but um, the cool part to me about, uh, you know, an air raid type or even spread type offenses to me is the practice. I mean, practice, it seems like you can just get so many reps on it. And, and a lot of that, I guess, depends on on the tempo that you've decided to go with, you know, for that air raid. Before, I'd always thought of air raid as as fast as you could humanly go. And obviously now, like you said, there's everyone has their own flair on what air raid is or what kind of, you know, what are you guys trying to do as far as what, what, what tempo are you guys trying to work at uh, in games? And, and I guess even in practice. Well, we, uh, you know, I think, I don't, I don't think it's effective if you always go at the same speed first off. Uh, and I equate it to, um, you know, baseball. If a guy is throwing, 95, 99, whatever miles an hour, and he's and all he's got is a fastball. Well, that thing might be coming in freaking fast, but eventually, I'm gonna be able to time it up, and I'm gonna be able to get my bat on it some way somehow, you know. But if that same pitcher had a 85 mile an hour slider or you know a changeup or whatever, everything looked the same. Well, that's harder to hit, you know, when you don't know exactly what's coming. So I, and that's what I kind of feel like football tempo wise is we don't always want to be out of control fast snapping it within eight to 10 seconds every single time. Um, you know, and I think that you kind of get yourself. I know we've all, you know, if, if any of you have had, you know, a tempo offense, you're a part of that, you know, that sometimes the defense, they're not even lined up, but 
because they're not lined up, they got in the way of mm-hmm. should have been a perfect play because the numbers were highly in your favor, but they had two D tackles on the same side and then everybody got confused and now one guy got let go and or a linebacker, you know, comes flying to whatever the case may be because you went too fast. Well, yeah, okay, occasionally that's fine to to speed it up and catch guys and, and limit substitutions, that type of deal. But we don't we want to use it as a as a as a tool, not necessarily, hey, all we got we're a one pitch pitcher. That's all we're we're gonna throw ninety nine miles an hour and you know, here here it comes. Well, to me, I think for a defense, it might work initially for the first, you know, ten plays where but eventually they get used to that speed. Um and so I think when you can change it up on them and use it as a as more of a surprise or a a change of pace type thing I think that's more effective and so that's really what we do you know it it's the importance of getting that first first down uh for us is super important so we you know we're going to be we want to we want to make sure that we get a first down once we get that first first down now you're going to see it kind of crank up a little bit when we feel like okay we've got them on their heels and then we're going to come back maybe we get another first down we're going to crank it up and then we're going to you know, freeze it or dummy it or whatever you want to call, look back and see if we can't get cheap yards or whatever. And then, you know, control or control the tempo a little bit and, and that type of deal. But um, to me, I think that's the importance of it. And we practice, you know, that we start off practice every single, every single week, uh, every single practice with a tempo period against our defense for five minutes. And we go ones on ones, twos on twos. We're not taking anybody to the ground, but we're, we're going as fast as we can. The defense is having to line up to whatever our look is. And it's just, it's practice for them to one, get lined up to a, a up-tempo team. And it's practice for us offensively, uh, getting lined up and executing our plays at a, as, at a fast tempo and making sure that we're doing the things that we coach in order to be able to go as fast as we possibly can, because there's little nuances that you got to work. And, and, uh, and so we're working that during the very first period of practice after, of course, we, you know, get like a little loose, you know, warm up. Everyone's kind of doing their own little warm up for about five, 10 minutes. And then we go and that's how we start practice with that tempo period. And the ones do it six plays and then the twos flip around and they go the other six plays. And so it's a way to kind of start practice with a little intensity and, and get everybody awake and, and ready to go. Um, and, you know, from, from an air, air raid perspective, how we practice, we spend, uh, you know, and I, I told another coach this, um, that we spend 25, about 20 to 25 minutes of our practice is, uh, you know, what they, area guys would call routes on air. Um, as we get into a game week, it's not, it's no longer routes on air, but it's that same block of time, that 20 to 25 minutes where we are doing basically a seven on seven versus scout and whatever coverages we're seeing that week, we're repping that. And so 20 to 25 minutes of our practice, we're throwing the football uh, with our concepts that we like that week and what we're doing. And, and we're going through and repping it, you know, our two by two, uh, you know, let's say two by two, 95. Well, we're, we're looking and maybe they play cover four and then they, they roll to a three week. And those are their top two, you know, coverages and then their other their third coverage is maybe 10 percent of the time well we're gonna rep those top two the majority of it and then we might throw in that 10 percent once or twice here and there we're gonna watch it we're gonna talk about it but we're gonna spend the most time repping our 95 against their top two coverages or top three if it's kind of evenly distributed Uh, and that way our quarterback now he knows oh well here cover four now I might have this out right off the bat I'm going to be able to bang the eight to 10 yard out and I'm going to hit it right now. Or, Hey, when they go three week, I'm going to be able to have my Y coming across the field. I just got to throw it in between the linebackers, but it's going to be beautiful. And it's going to open right up. And if I don't like it and they squeeze it, now I'm going to go to my curl flat with the the outside receiver to the running back. So now he knows, okay, well, these are the two looks that mainly I'm going to see. All right, now let's go execute it to where when it comes in the game, they've seen it over and over and over again. And that's, that's how we're going to practice, you know, the air raid side of it, the passing side of it, to answer, I guess, the second part of that question. Gotcha. Love it. Uh, so, so my other question is, with air raid, um, I always heard, and this is a really dumb question, so I apologize, but <laughs> no. I always heard for five years 
uh, we were going out before games and we were doing settling news. And I haven't heard <laughs> that now in five or six years. Is that a, still a thing? And I, I don't even know what we were doing when we went out there and did it. I just know I was snapping the ball. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It's a, it's a thing. It's a, uh, it's a warm-up, first off. You know, it's like you said. Okay. okay. You're going to go out there. It's not like a, uh, a full speed uh, type of thing. But what, what, they're, what you're working is, one, the, the centers are snapping to the quarterbacks. So it's a way to, to steal reps there. So, you're, you know, you're snapping and quarterback's getting the snap. And then the quarterback is just back there. He's going to take his drop. And then he's going to kind of work the pocket, imaginary, imaginary, you know, rushers coming out, work the pocket. And the receiver is going to just kind of, whether it's high knees, whether it's whatever, he's going to work his initial release, you know, kind of however you want to set it up. And then he's going to kind of loosen up, you know, depending on how, what, what you want him to do. Um, and then when he's ready, he's going to turn, face the quarterback with his numbers and kind of come forward to meet the ball. And the quarterback's going to put it on one shoulder or the other. And whatever shoulder he puts it on, that's the, the shoulder that the receiver's going to – he's going to settle. And then the noose part is with his hands. So he's basically putting his, uh, his hands up, you know, I guess index finger to index finger and thumb to thumb. And kind of that's – and so he's kind of putting his, his, his hands up, catching the ball. And if he throws it to my left shoulder, I'm going to drop step with my left foot and I'm going to turn and get vertical right now. And you know, that's, it works for a lot of routes, but mainly it's what you do on mesh. And so, you know, obviously receivers are coming across, they're meshing, they're going to settle because the linebackers, maybe it's a zone look or out there, you're going to settle. And then the quarterback's going to throw it based off of where those linebackers are, uh, throw you open to whichever shoulder he needs to, to avoid the defender. And that's basically telling you, oh, he threw it to my left shoulder. Okay, well, I'm going to drop step with that. Because obviously somebody's sitting heavy on my right shoulder. And, it's, you know, it's a way to basically – you don't want to throw it right down the middle of their body because now that receiver catches it and turns to the right and guesses wrong and he gets his head knocked off, opposed to if you can get that ball on his left shoulder, now he can drop step, get vertical, um, and has more success to not get one nailed and get more yards really quick. Uh, same thing, you know, like on uh, uh, stick. It's the stick concept. They're going to go push up. And then you're going to drive it on his shoulder. Usually it's his inside shoulder anyway. And then he's going to try to beat that Mike linebacker, whoever, uh, up the field and try to get us two or three, four more uh, cheap yards off of it. Gotcha. That, that makes sense. I, I was, uh, I, like I said, I heard it every day. I just knew I snapped the ball and never paid attention. And then I got to my high school and then, um, and it's been a running joke now for four years. And I still didn't, I didn't even understand the joke. I mean, I did, but I didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, every time the coordinator, you know, uh, he's like, all right, we got to go get ready for Pat and go. And, I, and I'm always like, you mean settle a noose? When settle a noose? And he always has to tell me, we don't do settle a noose. I said, well, you know, if we wanted to win, we would. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I had no idea what it is. I just like to mess with, with everybody. But uh, I appreciate that. But Pat and go is another one. That, but that's more uh, down the field stuff. You know, you work in different routes. Uh, that's more, and that's another warm-up uh, type of, I guess, drill. That's a little bit more full speed than settle and noose. Settle and noose is mainly you're working on quarterbacks just working on the accuracy of throwing it to the shoulder, and their receivers are working on looking the ball in and using their hands, and then drop stepping and getting vertical. So now, now you're well versed in it. <laughs> now I got it. <laughs> Well, Coach, so, so the other thing for me was what, what I always thought we killed people with was, uh, you know, the, the pop pass. Uh, is that an air raid, you know, type of a – it was always to our, our big receiver. He was always the inside guy. Um, we would run, you know, basically whatever. We'd fake inside zone, and it seemed like he was open all the time right behind that linebacker, which, you know, probably is, is a, a couple of RPOs now. So I don't even know if – if guys still do pop passes or if they just make that an RPO, do you have that, um, that, that type of a look in, in, your, in your offense? And how do you guys, if you do, how do you um, put that in? Is that a pop pass? Is that an RPO? Yeah, we, well, we got both ways. Um, and there's a couple, couple things with it. One, um, you know, I think you know, we, have, we have the pop passes. The, 
if you want to kind of sure it up and make it a little safer, then you do the pop pass. If you feel like, you know, the quarterback might have to go one to two, maybe three, then you want to obviously have it more as a pop pass. If you feel like you can formation it to where it's going to be a one-two, you know, based on if they add an extra guy in the box, then you can make it an RPO. But if you feel like, you know, it's a, a concept or whatever that you might have to go to that third guy uh, or whatever, then that's where kind of the pop pass comes in handy. Um, and another thing is, like, for us, if we pop it, let's say we pop it off our, our uh, inside zone. Well, the lineman's technique on a pop is going to be different than, uh, you know, like a, a RPO, you know. And so, like, the, let's say we pop it off of inside zone. Well, if your backside tackle doesn't have anyone in that B-gap, well, he's going to be gone to that backside linebacker. Mm-hmm. You might get flagged for a guy downfield or whatever. Um, but if you're popping it, he can take one, two, you know, three hard steps and get into that gap, but not get downfield and still be able to sell the run. But he knows, okay, I'm pulling up and it's just a gap to the right or, or whatever. And all of our linemen on pop passes, low pads, and, and we're coming off and it's supposed to look like the run, except we're not gaining, you know, more than about, you know, we kind of tell them more than two yards vertical uh, just to be safe. And, and that way you get the same look without, you know, inevitably you, you call a play action pass and you tell them, all right, hey, on this play action, we want to be aggressive. Well, what do they do? Well, your tackle, he's tired of getting beat all the time. And so, you know, he, you call this play action pass. Well, he naturally, and, and maybe the, the play side guard also, they both kind of pop up and they're sliding out there. And now you got a full gap protection that's supposed to be an aggressive, you know, play action, but they're worried about uh, getting beat, you know, and maybe the concepts don't marry up to the hard play action, you know, and I think that's, that's on the coordinators to get that right. You know, you can't ask the lineman to have a hard play action and then you're sitting there trying to throw uh, a double move post corner route with a drag coming across the field and you're asking your offensive line to be aggressive and sell the run. I mean, that's, that's just not smart. Uh, from a, a coordinator's perspective, unless you're getting out of the pocket, obviously, you know, like a, a naked type of deal or a boot type thing. But if you're going to ask the O-line to be aggressive, um, which is for us is by, you know, using a pop, you know, hey, pop our inside zone, pop our power or whatever. Now we're making it a hey, hard sell the run. The ball is going to come out within, you know, one to two seconds. You know, you're not sitting, sitting there having to hold, hold a guy. We're just asking you to hard sell it, and then we're going boom, boom, boom. And it's usually routes that are inside of 10 yards where the quarterback's releasing the ball almost after making his play fake. Maybe one gather or two gathers, but the ball's coming out, and he's not taking a drop or anything like that. So um, I think that's the di- the difference between um, between the two. And, and like I said, the RPO has kind of made it to where – you don't have to pop pass other than if you, you know, let's say inside zone's your best run play. Well, you don't, like I said, you don't want to run inside zone um, and have maybe a five-step glance route and your tackle now has nobody in the B gap and he doesn't know any better. He's just climbing to the next level. And next thing you know, he's four yards, five yards downfield. And here comes the ball sailing over his head. And then here comes the yellow, yellow flag out of the pocket and you erase a 40 because, uh, you know, you're sitting there RPO and when you could have just called a pop pass and gotten the aggressive look without having the guy go down the field. Coach, I mean, it, it kind of answers my question. I was going to ask you, you know, because, I mean, when you, you talked about your quarterbacks before being able to change it, you know, to me, again, when, you know, teams load up the box and, you know, they're, they're going to add a hat, knowing you're going to throw the RPO, you know, what sense does it make to really have to read it? You know, they're playing cover one. They're, they're playing some, you know, maybe it's zero, things like that. You know, mm-hmm. how do you build that in? Is that something, you know, where, you know, you're given, you know, the pop call, or you're giving them a protection call, or you're telling them, the, I've heard guys say, you know, we hold them so they don't, you know, go to the next level. You know, how do you kind of have that built in? You know, I think I've seen, you know, Oklahoma does a little bit of it. It looks like, quote, an RPO, but none of the guys are going downfield. I'm wondering if it's, you know, something that the quarterback's saying to them. Yeah, if you, you know, like, 
for instance, you know, like I talked about before, and it depends on how you want to teach the quarterback. If you want to say, hey, when we call this right here, you know, out of this formation where here's here's one of their top top looks that they've done before, and if they get in this, you know, let's let's go execute this. Walk up there and you know just change it to our pop protection, and then let's let's get the ball out. Um, you know, or hey, let's let's get a an aggressive um, down the field play action pass type type uh, protection call, and then let's go run a deep over and, and a post and see if we can't hit a, hit a big one. So I think, you know, it's more of a, um, a game plan week to week thing. Uh, we don't have, we won't go into where the quarterback has to sit there and, well, do I do it on this? Do I do it on this? Do I, you know, and it's a, a guessing game. You know, we don't, I don't want him to have to sit there and think of every single scenario. That's our job to think of the scenarios and then, Okay, if if it's such a big issue that we don't want to run it to a certain look, hey, this is the this is the one thing or maybe two things, okay, that if we see this, get us out of this and call it. And a lot of times, you know, I'm on the field. If I see the look, mm-hmm. I'm yelling at it, I'm you know, he knows my voice well enough to where I start, I, I I holler, and then he looks over at me, and I kill it, and I I change it to something else, you know, and I basically am able to do it for him. So that's another way to kind of, you know, get their attention is be able to do that. But, um, you know, we, we're not going to put a whole, a whole lot on the quarterback to be able to do that. Um, we don't have enough time to meet with them. You know, in college, uh, you have more time and they're able, you know, they go to their one or two classes a day and then they're up in the office watching video and, and meeting with you and talking to you about all kinds of stuff. Uh, in high school, it's a little bit different. You don't get those guys, you know, as much. Um, and so you kind of have to uh, change what you do to be able to fit what your circumstances are. And uh, that's one of the things that we kind of uh, take off their plate so that way they don't have to be able to get us in the perfect play. Hey, just go execute the play that we're calling and, and we'll handle the rest. How do you guys, go ahead, Walls. I was just going to yeah, follow up with you. You know, everyone talks about how you know, air raid practices and obviously how air raid plays in the game, I guess, I've never really asked the question, you know, how how is kind of the quote air raid quarterback, you know, meetings? How do those meetings go? Is that something where you kind of have a defined Monday, a defined Tuesday, defined Wednesday? You know, how is it maybe different from the the college game? But I, I guess I've always been interested to see, you know, how do you compartmentalize kind of your scouting report or your meetings based on those days in the air raid system? Yeah, um, I would say in high school. We, you know, just for the lack of, I guess, meeting time, um, we we kind of break up what I think will be, you know, our best two by two, three by one, you know, passes, and I kind of put the the main ones that I really like, and then maybe one or two that uh, maybe we we motion uh, different, maybe we. Uh, flip our outside or inside receivers, you know, within the formation and and re- run it so it's a little bit different uh, or flip them and we motion. Um, so then we're going to rep those, obviously, um, that first day. And then the next day, we'll continue to rep the ones that are a little bit different. And then now we're going to add just, you know, a few that, hey, I can see this on uh, third and, you know, long or third and extra long. You know, they get into a drop eight or they get into this. Okay, hey, here's something that, you know, we're going to rep this week because of the way that they play this coverage. And so uh, then we'll, that, we'll go through those on that next day and, and so on. And so I think uh, whereas in college you're able to kind of put the whole, you know, game plan and go, that, go out there and, and execute a, a good amount of them uh, as much as the head coach wants to practice, of course. And so – um, depending on how long you have, um, depends on one, how you got to practice it Two, okay, well, if we only have 15 minutes, well, you know, the, these are our main concepts. This is what we're going to practice. If we have 25 minutes or, or 30, okay, well, now we can really work on, and, and they're always the routes that we do every single day. So, you know, for instance, guys that are familiar with air raid, okay, 92, 95, you know, we're going to go through and we're going to run wide cross. We're going to run, 
our mesh. We're going to run our mesh varieties. We're going to uh, go through all of our main stuff. And those are the plays that we've been running um, during fall camp in the summer, uh, you know, here in high school during seven on seven. We've repped all of our stuff so much by that point that they could literally go out there and do it in their sleep. I mean, we run it so many times, and, and I think that's why there's such a high familiarity with it. We're not coming up with new schemes every single week, um, you know, new passing concepts that the quarterback has never seen. You know, we're running stuff that we've been running – during spring ball, during summer, during seven on seven, during fall camp, we're running our normal stuff. And then, like I said, we might add a motion to it. We might uh, do it out of a different set that we're going to run something out of this week and we're going to have it as a, as a play action shot play or whatever. Um, and so that's kind of, that's how we build it in. That's how we, how we meet, meet about it and make sure that the quarterback's comfortable with it um, because we could sit here and, and, design all kinds of great plays and uh but you don't you got to be able to practice it for them to be able to execute it at a high level and uh, I always tell uh, a lot of my buddies and other coaches that um there's a ton of great plays Navy has a lot of great plays but it doesn't fit what we do or what we want to do every single down in and down out so we're not going to adopt the triple option underneath the center and go do all that stuff you know it's just not what we do so there but there's a ton of other plays and so what we kind of talk about we want to stay true to you know who we are and what we are and let's go rep the plays that we believe in give us the best chance against whatever look they're going to give us and I think that's an important part for coordinators is we want to run plays that uh we feel like you know 80 percent of the time we're going to have it blocked up and we're going to have a successful play. Uh, now we just got to go execute it, but we're going to have a hat for hat uh, running the plays where it's kind of like, well, if they get in this, they get, it's going to work if they do this, which they only do 30% of the time. If we get lucky, it, it'll be good. I don't like those. I, I feel like we want to run the plays that it doesn't matter if they get in <laughs> yeah. this or they get in that we have an answer for it. So um I think that's important uh, from a, a scheme, and that and that's really that's the air raid passing game. You know, you talk. I've talked about Y cross. Uh, talk about vertical. I think we ran vertical more than anything we ran uh, the whole year in the passing game. In fact, I know we did, um, and it's because of the way we teach it, and it gives us the most options to uh, combat whatever the defense is doing. It doesn't matter if they get in a Tampa two, a cover three, cover one. Uh, cover four. It doesn't matter what they do. Any kind of split field coverages, uh, we feel like that play gives us an answer somewhere, somehow. And we rep it so much that the quarterback feels good about it, and we can execute that no matter what look they give us. So, Coach, um, I, I think that every offensive line coach they hear kind of air raid, I think they they've kind of have their first two questions. Uh, it's already in their head. Uh, are you guys uh, – what's the splits look like for you guys? What have you decided on? And then what kind of uh, pass sets are you guys taking? Because there's – between those two things, it's, it's night and day between, you know, one air raid coach to the next. Right. Yeah, it's um, – I like uh, – and <laughs> with our offense line coach, I don't think they really ever, uh, you know – the comfort factor, I, I think, for offensive linemen is, is obviously you want to be a little bit closer. That way, less room for someone to run around you or run underneath you or whatever. Um, but by creating the space, and, and typically, and it changes by plays, not, not, not a lot, but typically from center to guard is around, I would say, two to two and a half feet. Um, and then from guard to tackle, it's typically around three feet. Um, and we'll cheat that split um, as much as we possibly can with that tackle, especially on runs uh, where he knows, you know, he's not working with the guard or, or whatever. And the guard, basically when our splits will change based on kind of what we do, not, not enough to where it's like, oh, drastic. But, you know, if our center and guard are going to be working a combination block, well, we don't want our guard three feet away from our center. 
uh, you know, that just doesn't make any sense. So, uh, you know, we want to be a little bit closer in that instance. Whereas, you know, if our guard and tackler are working together, okay, well, guard, move a little bit further away from the center. You know, you got a three technique and we're running a scoop log on the backside. Okay, I want you to be further away from the center because now we move that three technique even further away from maybe where the cutback's going to be. And now we want our guard and tackle to be a little bit closer. So now they cut their split a little bit. But again, not so much, you know, not, it's not as drastic as what you might be thinking, like, oh, well, they're tipping it or whatever. Uh, it's just subtle enough that we cheated out a little bit to gain a little bit more of an advantage. And so that's kind of the, the base way, I guess, is about two feet for the center, you know, from the center guard and then about three for the guard's tackles. And then after that, it's kind of play, play specific. Um, and then when we get in any kind of short yards, third and third and short, uh, you know, third and one or, or fourth and one, or we're inside the, you know, five yard line or whatever, we're going to tighten up and, you know, we're going to put our hand down and we're going to be able to fire off the ball. And basically it's board drill. Let's see who can win and, and low hat wins. And so now we're going to get down, uh, because typically in the open field, we're, we're two point stance, um, but as we get down, and like I said, if it's third and one, if it's fourth and one, our guys are a little bit tighter and our, our hands are down and we're ready to come off um, when we're in a heavier set, obviously, on third and one. If we're in two by two and it's third and one, we're, we're probably in the open field. Uh, we're probably in a two-point stance and we're not, you know, in there getting it. But if we're bringing two tight ends, 12 personnel look, um, our guys are savvy enough. They, they know – you know, okay, here it comes. And if it's any kind of pass, it's more of a little ride and then we're throwing a stop route outside or, or whatever. And so uh, our linemen are down and we're ready to come off the ball and go get us one yard or whatever it might be. So, um, and then pass set wise, um, you know, we're, it, it depends on the front more, a lot of, a lot of it, um, you know, we'll sort it, you know, we're not um, old school, uh, vertical set where we're just backpedaling straight back. Uh, yeah, that's what I was curious about because I know there are still, you know, there's that's kind right. of the big one. Is it, is it backpedal or is it, you know, kind of that 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 true pass set? Because uh, I've done both and I've seen, you know, I think the backpedal has kind of gone away at a lot of places, yeah. but it's obviously still around. Right. No, we're 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 definitely. I don't. If you watch, you know, kind of the, the NFL guys, you watch, you know, the Saints, you know, do a great job. Obviously, they throw the ball a lot. And, um, you know, you watch those guys. We're, we're basically the same thing. A lot of times, if we're in a sort, any kind of uh, sort type deal against maybe like a three-man front and our guards are freed up, you know, that's when you're going to kind of see a little bit different uh, set compared to if we're playing like a four-down team and we have more of a traditional, uh, and I don't want to say necessarily slide side, but it's, it's you know, or gap side, but it's, it's, it's a slide sort, I guess. You know, right. and, you know there, we're, not, we're not just going to slide to a gap and, and say, okay, well, there we are. I slid. I, I got my A gap. I got my B gap. I got my C gap. No, we're, we do a lot of different things with the ID and, and understanding, you know, okay, uh, let's say we have a dime, you know, dime type look, a four-one box. Well, if that Mike linebacker bails, okay, well, center, I don't want you to just sit there and you know, kind of help out your guards. Where, okay, you're working to the, the the side that we told you to, to where maybe the Sam comes off the edge uh, from depth. Okay, well, now we've got it picked up. Or, okay, Sam lines up on the line of scrimmage, and the Mike is at four or five yards. Okay, well now. We're going to work to that Sam. We've got an out call. If that Sam bails, now we're making a back call. So now it reverts back. So now if, if I'm the center and we made this out call or whatever your terminology is, mm -hmm. call to tell us, hey, we're working out to this guy. We've got this D tackle, this D in, and now this Sam. There's our three right there. Okay, hey, running back now has is, is got that mic to, to will backside. Well, now that Sam bails, that tackle is now bouncing it down and we're making a back call. And so now that center, once he gets that back call, he can put eyes on the mic. So now the mic, you know, rolls to the backside A gap or he does whatever. 
he can he can trace them and follow them now that he got that back call. So, um, you know, we we do we do some different stuff depending on a lot of time what the fronts are, um, you know, and and we'll stack it. We'll bring you know against an odd front. We'll bring the backside guard um, in certain instances against certain teams, different looks. But a lot of times we're going to kind of sort it out, you know, whether it's a three down or a four down because of the importance. And I think this is where, um, quote, air raid guys, uh, getting the running back out is very important in, in our offense. And, you know, our running backs, um, they know that they can get the ball. They're, they're, they're our fifth guy. They're an eligible receiver. And a lot of times they're, you know, second or third guy that we're trying to get the ball to, you know, where we move him. So for us, and you can see uh, Christian McCaffrey got himself a nice payday. Well, why? Well, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So now he has Alvin Kamara, same thing. He's going to get a huge payday. How Three Pro Bowls or however many he made. Uh, those guys are super valuable because they can catch the football. They're not just runners. And then you go and throw the ball and you're playing with four guys running routes. No they're able to play with five guys. And I think that's important to really stress the defense. Um, and so up front, we rep it and our guys, they, they're going to sit there and they're going to rep the looks um, that we're going to see. And, and it's one of those things where you got to do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. And almost to where it just becomes boring. And that's when we know that they're getting it. When it becomes boring, just like with our quarterbacks and receivers, when it becomes boring that we're running mesh over and over and over again, <laughs> we're running this pass concept and they've brought this blitz and our linemen are sitting there going, Coach, we got this, we got this. When it becomes boring, that's when you know you've got it. And so uh, for us, that's, you know, I heard this, don't, you know, being bored, you know, that's, that's, that's one of the, that's when you know that you've, you've mastered it or, or you have a high proficiency. And so, uh, we want to be bored, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of one of the things that uh, I love about it is we're going to do it, do it, do it, do it. And then when it becomes boring, great. Now, now hopefully we fully understand it and now it should become second nature. Well, coach, that was, um, you know, that's always something with the putting the quarterback um, so many things, it seems like in, in the air raid. And, and like you said, he's got to know his RPOs. He has to know, and you get the really smart ones that understand and can even check in and out of things. Um, it's always, and, and we don't want to obviously have you give away everything, but um, with pass protections, how much are you putting on your quarterback, especially in that type of system uh, with him having to know everything else? Does he also know where his man and his slide side is? Does he have uh, the ability to check that? Or are you putting all of that on your offensive line? Uh, well, so two different answers. College answer, our uh, center and running back were the ones that were, you know, kind of working together um, and getting us in the right call. And, and obviously the quarterback understanding – who, who they're working to and, and who, who the freed up guys are um, and the quarterback having the ability to overrule the center and say, no, I want you going this way and that type of deal. Um, at the high school level, um, I control it and, and I call it um, based on kind of the fronts. And again, you know, where I feel like maybe they, you know, they, they bring two to the, you know, to the back and, uh, essentially end up being a four-man side. Okay, well, we'll slide to the running back instead of making that the man side. Um, you know, and so I'll, I'll call the protections based on the routes, uh, you know, and based on where maybe a hot will be. Um, and so if they were to overload us, we have a way to get the ball out. Um, you know, and obviously last year was our, you know, my first year there. Um, you it's one of those things with the quarterbacks year two, year three, you know, they get, if you get those guys as freshmen uh, and they're in there, now they start to really understand what's going on. So like right now, you know, we're going through video and we'll, we'll talk through, okay, Hey, here's a protect. This is what it means. We can handle this over here. Your running back is on the man side. Okay. This, 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 you know, and so we're going through all that. Uh, but to ask a high school kid, 
who um, maybe didn't, hasn't grown up around it uh, to be able to do that year one. I think that's tough. Um, and like you said, I feel like that's putting a lot on a quarterback that is one, just trying to remember what the concept is, you know, and, and that goes back to what I said before. If you can make them to where they're bored at it, then you know that you've repped it enough times that it becomes second nature. So, um, you know, I don't think that we can put them, there's not enough practice time, you know, that first year to kind of get them ingrained in understanding protections when he didn't even have a full grasp of past concepts maybe uh, prior. And so, uh, you know, I think you kind of have to uh, figure out what you want to take away and how you want to do it in order to be able to put, you know, your guys in the, in the best possible situation. And I think for us, it's, I call it based on, you know, week to week uh, where I want to send, send the back um, based on what they're doing and how, and maybe their top blitzes. And then that way the quarterback, he'll know, all right, this play, I know my back's free release. So I know that our linemen, they're going to pick up five, but Hey, here's my man side over here. If they bring the extra over here, I got to get it out. And, you know, we're, you know, anytime we're in that free release situation, uh, we're putting a free rusher to where his eyes are to begin with. So that way, if that guy is coming, he's not getting drilled in the back, um, you know, and now you have a fumble. At least he's able to see it and get it out before he, he takes the hit. Right, right. Yeah, that, that completely makes sense. Well, well Coach, you know, kind of rolling up now on an hour, um, and, and it's been, been an unbelievable hour. But uh, the first or the, the last question I always like to ask guys before we cut them loose, um, is is when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things that would, they would be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Yeah, um, it's funny you ask that because I, I send our O-line guys, I, I always tell them, I go, who, do you know who their O-line coach is at this place? I really like uh, – they, they do a heck of a job, um, you know, and, and I'll send them clips and whatever, but – I think uh, that's a funny question because I do, you do notice it, you know, week to week as you go through the right. scout and you're, and you're looking at it. Um, and I, I think it, for me, it's one, the, uh, the technique. And what I mean by that is their feet. Cause I think that that is probably one of the, the most important aspects. Um, like we talked about before is as far as their base, um, are they guys that, you know, are just, uh, kind of doing the peewee football deal where, you know, they snap the ball and they stand straight up and they're basically running forward on one, you know, and so one leg's up in the air when the other one's down or are they, uh, or are they kind of feet, feet on the ground as much as possible and they're working great technique. Maybe they have, you know, one arm free or they turn their shoulders with two hands and, and burying themselves on a, uh, you know, as a guard with a combo to the linebacker and now, you know, he never, he can't get off. Um, and then I think the, the next thing after technique um, is the physicality uh, of how they play and just kind of the, like I, I tell our guys, want to be nasty. Um, you know, it's just the, the, the nastiness as far as within the rules, uh, where, you know, whistle to whistle, that type of deal, and, and legally just going out and whipping the other guy across from you. Um, you know, do they take pride in that? Or is it just kind of, uh, you know, you see it where maybe the guard has his block and then he knows that the run's coming to him. And then you kind of see him peeking in the backfield and then maybe shifting his weight around so he doesn't get get hit from behind or get rolled up on, you know. Or is it a guy that every single play is just burying the guy across from him? Uh, to me, that that stands out on video is their footwork and technique how they strike, the, the physicality in which they punch with, um, and then how nasty are they? Do they just go after it and, and, and really handle the teams that they're playing against and, uh, um, and take pride in it? I think that's a big, that's a big thing is um, they take pride in being an offensive lineman. And, and you know, we, some schools it's, it's not a, a sexy position, you know, and, and they all want to be defensive ends and, and come off the edge and sack the quarterback. Nobody wants to go be an offensive lineman. It's kind of like uh, the last rung on the ladder. You know, you're 
that you don't have anywhere else to go. If you can't make it as an offensive lineman, you shouldn't be playing. And I think that's the stigma that uh, a lot of times O-linemen get. And, you know, you the good teams win because their offensive line, A, can protect, two, uh, and B, they can, they can run block. Um, and if you can't do that, then it doesn't matter what we – we can sit up here and talk about RPOs and reading this guy or – this down the field passing. Well, if you can't block the guys in front of you, it doesn't matter what we talk about. It doesn't matter what, I mean, if you can't block those guys, it doesn't matter what offense you're running. And so I think, you know, the offensive linemen, they have to be smart and they got to be able to pass block. They got to be able to go backwards. Then they also have to be able to go forward, you know, play with great technique. They got to be able to run sideways. Uh, so there's a lot of things that uh, people think, well, oh, well, he can't do anything else. He's an offense lineman. No. We want really good athletes on the offensive line. And I, and I fight for them all the time. Like when I see a good one, like, oh, he's a D tackle. The hell he is. I want him on, <laughs> we want him on the offensive line. <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, and, and that's what I think the, the, the stigma is. Obviously, in college is different because, you know, you're able to recruit them. But in high school, you know, it's kind of the, the you're trying to recruit them from the defensive side of the ball and say, no, no, no. Okay, you got that one. All right, we got the next pick. We want that guy on the offense. You know that type of deal. And um, if you if you can get smart, uh, athletic guys um, and and develop a nastiness about them and teach them technique, you can win a lot of football games um, because you're they're going to get bigger. They're going to get stronger. Um, you know, with development. But uh, being a competitor and having some nastiness about you and and learning the technique. Those things, those are those are super important to me uh, from an offense perspective because those guys have to be able to do that. Coach, man, the uh, the hours flown by, man. You look up and we've we've got an hour, but you know, appreciate you you coming on and, and this was good, man. I got some really good notes out of it. It'll be some stuff that I can I can dive into. So I appreciate you coming on. And that's gonna do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.